This is Winning Slowly, taking the long view on technology, religion, ethics, and art, because doing good work takes time, including when you have to take an hour fighting with sound issues like we did today. Ugh. I'm Chris Kreitcho. And I'm Stephen Caradini, and I am also tired of technical difficulties. <laughs> but here we are for you, dear listeners. We had a moment where we thought, our listeners will understand if we don't put out an episode. And then we also thought our listeners will understand if we do put out an episode and it has some hiss and or static. As of this point, we literally don't know if there will be hiss or static in your <laughs> recording as you're listening to this. We can't tell because it's been varying over and over again for seemingly no reason. But that is the reason for the decreased sound quality if there is. If there is, in fact, decreased sound quality. <laughs> But if it sounds great, then just know that we brought this to you in great, great pain and suffering <laughs> and angst. This is season four, episode five. And today we're going to talk about politics and compromise. Woo! Woo and we're going to mostly do it without getting terribly specific about American political figures, because no thank you. We're actually going to talk about Myanmar, because... After 50 years of military dictatorship in Myanmar, the military dictator retired <laughs> and decided to hold democratic elections. What? So we're not going to try to explain that because <laughs> that doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, it's sort of like the, the most non-benevolent, benevolent move that you could imagine. <laughs> like, I would prefer to not die violently, and I've succeeded thus far, so... I'm going to have elections. Uh, <laughs> it kind of right, seems man. to have worked a little bit for the last week or so. We'll see how it goes long term. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what we are interested in is the underlying principle of that, which is some sort of compromise. The military government, whose representatives still have a majority in their parliament, are somehow going to have to learn how to compromise because their military leader said, hey, you have to deal with the people now because we're going to not rig the elections. <laughs> and so that's going to be a difficult thing. Most recently, and the particular reason that we're talking about it this week, is that they just had a clean election for the first time in a very, very long time. As a result, uh, a prominent activist and her party were swept in in great numbers. Now, it wasn't a full election of the entire parliament, so they don't actually have a majority, but they're going to be able to create a government, which is a concept that America sadly does not have. <laughs> Parliamentary systems are different than congressional systems, it turns very, out. Very, very different. So they are going to have to hash out how making a government works with people who are vestigial to a military dictatorship and people who are brought in on a democratic mandate. Yeah. And so one of the issues that Chris and I are going to talk about for this entire episode, and we will touch on American politics, I'll probably touch on some British politics as well, is that there is a need for compromise for politics to work. Yeah. But in the last 50 years, there has been a lot of arguing that if you compromise, you're giving in to evil. Let that sink in. 
this gets particularly heated when you're in the middle of a war or when you're in the middle of a culture war. And culture war has been a big factor here. And of course, in Myanmar, it was literally the case that compromise would have been giving in to the opponents entirely since military rule versus not total military rule is, in fact, a pretty big shift. It's Here a in America, economy, yeah, pretty dichotomous. Whether it's giving into evil, well, that might be a different question. But one of the things we see for the future of Myanmar is that they now have to deal with the notion of steady progressive change. If they want this shift in government to work in the long run and not simply to be replaced by another military dictatorship, what everyone around the table is going to have to figure out is how to advance their goals piecemeal and stepwise rather than in these great sweeping reforms because observation of history tells us that great sweeping reforms tend to get great sweepingly unreformed in short order when a different power comes in and that the most effective long-term changes tend to be wait for it accomplished slowly and gradually this should sound familiar to listeners of our show as Basically, anytime we talk about politics, we argue for gradualism. Yeah. Incrementalism. Yeah. You can see this even in some of the great triumphs of justice in Western history. Famously, William Wilberforce spent decades and decades working to get the slave trade ended and then slavery itself abolished in Britain. And he did this by fighting, well continually for many years and working at incremental change. He didn't say, if I don't get past the complete abolition of slavery today, I am a failure. He said, if I can persuade a few more people that this is bad, I'll consider this a win. And he kept doing that and kept doing that. And he even accepted, hey, we still have slavery, but we won't do the slave trade anymore as a nice intermediary step. So likewise, as Myanmar steps forward, they're going to have to say, Look, there are some pretty big problems here. We still have the majority rule by people who are part of this military dictatorship. Probably there are lots of people who are afraid to vote for people outside that power structure because, well, local politics being what they are, those people probably still have some pretty serious sway, possibly sway that includes firearms. And so there's some long-term change to be done there. But they actually have a shot at it because they have now embraced a political process that promises, at least, to allow them to engage in that long-term political change if they don't squander it. Right. And so I also want to point out that before our uh, conservative readers run fleeing for the door, when we say (laughs) progressive change, we don't mean progressive change in the way of Bernie Sanders. We mean (laughs) progressive change in the way of moving the process forward as opposed to obstructionism or outright dissolution of governments, which is a (laughs) pretty common problem in parliamentary systems. Even though some of the changes that we're talking about may fall under the mantle of progressive, others will fall under the mantle of conservatism. We're really just talking about a process here, and we're not particularly talking about any particular side of the issue. Right. Now, there are some issues about compromise that are specific to individual parties. So in Europe, where they have a very populist, nativist, parochial sort of politics in many areas and getting 
more so by the day, it seems. Their idea of compromise is very, very different than the American idea of compromise or the Canadian idea of compromise or anything else. So there are some things about what compromise means that are specific to parties and specific to places, but the underlying principle of working towards what you want through small means is important. And you may be thinking, okay, well, what if everyone is trying to work together to get their means done, but people are working at cross ends? Like what if people want the opposite thing? <laughs> so what if you have a divisive issue where there's it's a it's a binary thing? So in Canada and America, you had the divisive issue of the Keystone XL pipeline. And this was a binary thing. Either the pipeline went in or it did not. And so working towards compromise in this sort of arena is complex. It is yep. not as easy as, as moving a little bit more towards this idea, perhaps, of demilitarization of the police, <laughs> which you can... <laughs> Well, which you can achieve yeah. incrementally. Like yeah. you can do that in small ways. I laughed say, because I thought you were going to say demilitarization of the Myanmar government, which was <laughs> a different issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also possibly accomplishable in incremental ways, but... Yeah, yeah. But, you know, demilitarization of police, if people are working towards that end, that's something that can be achieved incrementally. You can small things repeatedly over a long period of time right. to achieve a particular conceptual end. Right. Whereas if you're talking about something like the, the pipeline, you've got some difficult issues that you have to patch right. out. I think the problem comes when we start to talk about conceptual issues versus these binary issues. Yeah. And so if you if you put the Keystone XL as its own issue, then it is hard to compromise on that. Either it goes in or it doesn't. I mean, maybe, you, <laughs> I mean, it has to get all the way down to Louisiana for it to be useful. So, um, or it has to get down to a refinery at least. I don't know right. if it's going to originally go down to Louisiana or Oklahoma or wherever it was going to go, but it has to get to a refinery. You can't like shorten it and be like, yeah, we'll give you <laughs> half the pipeline. Um, it's a binary issue. However, if you frame it as, as a step towards environmentalism, so the environmental wing of both parties said that crushing the Keystone XL project meant that it was an incremental step towards a good ends towards the environment. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one way to think about it. Yeah, and I would I would note as well that even in issues that are very heated in American politics, and I should note we're I, I very specifically said earlier we're not going to talk about specific American political figures because it's impossible to talk about compromise in politics for us without talking about America because that's where we live and we kind of don't know Croatian politics well enough to talk about that, for example. But if you look at two issues on opposite sides of the aisle, quote-unquote, that are very hot-button issues in American politics, without making any comment, though long-time listeners will probably be able to take a good guess at where Stephen and I sit on these, the way that change has been accomplished in two issues over the last decades that are very hot-button and that has been very effective in terms of a political process on the 
homosexuality issue and on the abortion issue. In both cases, there have been strident figures in each party saying, there shall be no compromise. And then there have been people arguing, let's just persuade people. Let's try to make our case. Let's make step after step after step. And you can see in both cases that that has achieved a certain amount of its ends. Now, you can quibble along the way. You can, of course, disagree whether the achieving of those ends has been effective. But I think it's mm -hmm. fair to say in both cases that the places where the most problems have arisen in both of those issues have been when one side or the other has abandoned the notion of moving the ball forward incrementally and of accomplishing things with as much political unity as can be gathered for it and where it has in instead come by means that don't fit that bill. So places where you use the courts on either side of that to accomplish something, or you use a loophole in a law to accomplish something rather than getting real political will uh, across the aisle or across a broad enough swath of your population to, to help move the ball, so to speak. Taking that latter tack versus the sort of, no, we won't compromise and we'll just accomplish this at any means kinds of tax has actually been the one that's produced results. Now, again, we don't want to get too deep into the weeds there because <laughs> right there's also the place where often there is a terminal end mm -hmm. to the incremental process like mm -hmm. you can make a big sweeping motion at some point right if you've done enough incremental steps that what looks like a big sweeping motion is really just the next incremental step right to go back to the slavery example with Wilberforce, there were decades of incremental work, which culminated in first the slave trade being completely abolished and then slavery being completely abolished, which were kind of a big deal culturally and economically. I mean, that's the way it is for a lot of good things. It's also the way it is for a lot of bad things. If right. you have read the big short or watched the movie, I haven't watched the movie, but I've read the book. That didn't start as a result of this giant we're going to crash the economy sort of <laughs> sweeping move like there were lots of little things along the way that were just bad ideas that kept getting worse and there were personal vendettas and there were uh, people who were trying to get rich and there were all these different incremental steps that went along the way and it ended up in uh, lots of people in Las Vegas losing their houses <laughs> right so, as well as all over the country, of course. But Sometimes you can slowly lose as well as slowly win, in other you words. Can, <laughs> you can slowly lose, yeah. Um, and so I, what we are particularly interested in is, given that this is how we see politics working, there are two kind of questions that we can ask of this. One, how do we bring this sort of mentality to a binary system in American politics that seems bent on denying the other party whatever it wants and refusing to compromise, right. which is a question we've been asking for years. And the second one is how do you stop or at least engage with people doing incremental change that you don't like? Yeah. Because the blueprint we laid out just a minute ago works for whatever. Like, you know, some things... <laughs> Some things will just fall apart. I mean, the uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of support for 
I mean, there's not a whole lot of supports for neo-Nazism. Like, there's just, <laughs> just not a lot there. Um, I had to determine whether I was going to go Godwin's Law on that or not. But <laughs> incrementalism is not going to work in some extreme cases where there's just so much built up from the other side of the spectrum. Like, the incremental case against why you should not be a Nazi <laughs> built up over, you know, four, five, 10, 15 years of the Nazis rise to power and then the horrors of World War II and then mm -hmm. the aftermath of World War II. All of that has a pretty strong case against any incremental movement towards neo-Nazism. Although if you look in Europe where they're having a surge of populism, people are starting to get really nationalist and populist and racist again. And right. so nothing is ever totally settled. Right. And and to be fair to Europe, there is certainly a loud and increasingly loud segment of that here in the United States as well. So, True, true. On the one hand, incrementalism isn't a total panacea, but it's also <laughs> never not working. Right. Just the, the act of being and doing ensures that incrementalism is, at a pragmatic level, always kind of happening. Right. But if people are trying to age with it as a particular process in that way that's different than if they're just like accidentally being incremental by existing <laughs> yeah and the american political system needs a good injection of actually trying to do it rather than the sort of just incidentally doing it so to look specifically at quote-unquote our people in the sense that we're broadly speaking conservatives i think it's fair to say that the republican congresses of late have been extremely obstructionist and have simply refused compromise. They've refused to ever meet in the middle. And that's not true of all Republicans in all parts of both wings of Congress, but it is true of a big block of them in both yeah. the Senate and the House. And we yeah. look at that and we say, maybe you feel like that's your mandate, but actually part of your mandate is to govern and to step in actual, meaningful, concrete, incremental ways forward. And you can't do that if the only word you know is no. Now, I'm particularly sensitive to this, perhaps, because I have a one-and-a-half-year-old right now, and one of the only words she knows is no. <laughs> and she uses it quite liberally. And if that's the only word you know, well, you end up coming across like a 20-month-old, because the reality is that the way adults actually get things done when we disagree is we find a solution that may not be the maximum point of happiness for any one of us, but that does satisfy the basic aims of enough of us to a sufficient degree that we can pull something off. Now, the problem is that there are a lot of people in this American political system who say, well, there is no sufficient amount <laughs> of compromise right. for me to compromise with a Democrat right, or with a Republican, you know, and, and that's a significant issue that we can only address by saying you don't always get what you want in the great worlds <laughs> of the Rolling Stones. And that's part of the political process. Yep. That is part of the price of having a republic, having a democracy. Uh-huh. And I think that it's tough when you look at things, you say, but I really, really don't want that. And I really, really don't want that to be even incrementally going forward. Right. How do you stop incremental progress going forward is so important because, you know, 
to have compromise at all, you have to be able to say, okay, I will allow compromise on these things, but not mm. on these things. Right. And so you have to, for that to be meaningful, you have to have things you can actually compromise on. Yeah. Because we are not saying compromise on everything all the time. <laughs> right. Because that's not how a society functions. But for your refusal to be compromising to mean something you have to have been able to compromise on other things. Yeah. You have to be able to say, look, we're going to compromise on X and we're going to work with you. We know that you want that. We're not touching Y. It's right. just not happening. Right. You know, and for Republicans, that might be, you know, we're going to work with you on environmental issues, but we're not touching abortion. Right. For Democrats, that might be, okay, we'll, we'll work with you on tax levels, but you know, we're, we're not touching social security. Right. You know, there's these issues where we're just, we're just not, but right now it's okay. You're not going to touch X, Y, Z, A, B, N, C, and one, two, and three. <laughs> and the other side's like, well, actually we are going to touch X, Y, and Z, A, B, and C, one, two, and three, and four. <laughs> just Take because. that. And yep. that's, and that sort of one upsmanship, that inability to compromise means that a, Everybody is attacking everybody on all these points all the time. Mm -hmm. So you actually have more politics going on than less by having these areas that are off limits. Right. Now, if you have compromise on some things, then A, people are interested in working with each other because, like, you know, they're able to get things done. But B, things that stay off the table stay off the table. Right. And sometimes they'll come up. You can't ever stop things entirely like we said incrementalism is always working but if part of the deals of the compromise is look we're we're gonna change tax rates over here but you can't touch social security for two years if everybody plays ball then that there's not going to be any incremental movement on that at a political level at right. a structural federal level for two years now incrementalism always moving people's hearts and minds etc cetera, etc cetera. Yep. you can be doing lots of things without changing policy right and in some cases, not having any policy for two or three or four years and then having a policy all at once when you have been doing work on the side at home on your own. That can be a win. It might even be better because people have changed their, their opinions over four years. They haven't been inundated by this constant news cycle effect. <laughs> they haven't been polarized. Right. So sometimes having things out of the news, particularly if you've been able to compromise them away, works in your favor, yeah. um, sometimes works against you. Because again, the political process means that sometimes you're winning and sometimes you're losing. Yep. And we feel that that's better than uh, one person saying, this is best for everyone. <laughs> yeah, and I think one of the things everything you just said highlights is the importance of what we might call political triage. And I'm stealing this from a relatively well-known concept in evangelicalism at this point, of theological triage, of being able to say, look, issues A through Z are all various degrees of importance, but they're not all the same degree of importance. So we might be able to say, look, these issues are in some sense broadly related in a general philosophical sense, but the exact tax number level is not necessarily equally as important as abortion is. Uh, regardless of where you sit on that particular issue, you can see that these things, one of them, there might be a lot more room for wiggle and compromise in than the other. 
if you take seriously the arguments that each side is advancing about abortion. So being able to say, hey, we think this is a, a murder issue, or we think this is a sanctity of a human's body and that a woman should have the right to do with her own body what she does issue, that can be pretty polarizing. And it's pretty fundamental right. to both of those perspectives' way of thinking. Right. So it's, it's yeah. not just that the <laughs> issue itself is polarizing, it's that what you say and what you mean about that particular issue undergirds a large a lot swath of, other of what you mean about everything else. Right. On the other hand, whether the progressive tax is a good idea is a pretty big issue. But if we already have a progressive tax, whether it's at 28% or 24% on a given swath of the population, it matters, and it may have some significant effects. But it's the kind of thing you might be able to make a deal over, exactly like you were just saying. Maybe you say, hey, the Republicans want to drop the tax bracket in this section down to 24% from 28%, but they're willing to say, yeah, we just won't touch Social Security, or we won't touch Medicare in the interval. There are things that are easier to compromise on, and if you're willing to say, hey, this issue matters, I'm not saying in being willing to play ball on this issue that it doesn't matter, but I am willing to say that it matters less, and I'm willing to prioritize things. Right. And being willing to make that kind of move is a big part of what enables the political process to function. To say, right. you know what, I value A more than I value Q. You value Q more than you value A. If you give me A, I'll give you Q. Even though I don't like Q, I think A is important enough to be able to move the ball that way. We we like you, Q. You're a great character, James Bond. <laughs> but what's particularly interesting to me about that is when you think about the American political system and the 538 people who are involved at an elected federal level, you might think, wow, that's a lot of people. How are they ever going to be able to get enough stuff together, enough collective identity, enough momentum, enough paperwork? Like, There's a <laughs> lot of stuff that has to go in. And this is what speaks to the importance of strong leadership and the commitment of leadership to compromise. And this is one thing I think that the American political system has right is that it puts a lot of stock in who is leading the particular parties and who is leading the House and the Senate because those things are more than just ornamental figurehead yeah. titles. They direct the way, not even that the policy goes. I mean, they do have policy agendas that they want to put out sometimes, but more than than the policy agenda, they're dictating the way that the structure works they're dictating the flow of the political process they yeah. are either obstructionist or they're willing to work or they are badgering their own party into <laughs> trying to get things done we see you there paul ryan thank you <laughs> you know it's really important who's leading the process because otherwise the process doesn't work if you don't have somebody who's invested in it and it takes a leader to really be able to say okay compromise is important to us yep we're at a point where we can't say, here's an easy fix. But I think one of our big takeaways for an episode on the complicatedness of politics, whether you're in Myanmar and dealing with uh, the aftermath of 50 years of military rule, or whether you're facing down nativist and populist uprisings that 
include neo-Nazism in Greece or whether you are forging and attempting to build a new democratic government basically from scratch in part of North Africa, like in South Sudan right now, or <laughs> whether you're dealing with the American political cycle, which seems unending in its election coverage right now. There is something to be valued about a willingness not to demonize one's opponents, even when deeply disagreeing with them, and a willingness to say, hey, what can we get done? What can we accomplish together? And how can we make deals? How can we play nice where we can and treat each other like human beings with real dignity and fight, yes, for the things we want, but also be willing to accept small steps toward the things we want and set up those distinctions in terms of what is most important and, in short, be willing to say, okay, I'll take a little bit at a time and I'll let you have that thing you want even though I don't love it because we have to work together. And if you if you can advance things that are important to you that aren't maybe my favorite, but I can advance things that are important to me that aren't your favorite, it will allow us to make some momentum while still holding fast to things that are important. Right. And that's the thing that we want to stress the most is that we're not calling for compromise on every issue everywhere. Right. That's unreasonable. But some compromise somewhere. But yeah. some compromise somewhere is important and we need it. And a lot more of it would go a long way to solving some of the issues that we have that are at a current stance seemingly intractable. Uh, before you go, we would like to make a call to all developers anywhere. If you can make a podcasting software, web tool, SaaS, whatever, that will allow us to easily and cleanly record podcasts in multiple locations over the internet. We will pay you money. We will pay you money. <laughs> We need it so bad. Skype is the worst. All the, all the podcasting tools out there basically are hacks around Skype. And I, I mean oh. that literally. They are hacks yeah. on Skype. Yeah. It's the worst. If you want to build something, we almost got one with PodClear, but... Then they got AquaHired. Womp womp. If any of you are developers, if something is going on and we don't know about it, and please, please let us, us know. <laughs> we We are literally at the paying money stage of this so i shouted skype into the void like kirk shouting khan after spock dies mm, i was yes. i was so mad the music at the beginning was curtain call by takanobu we used it with permission please don't use it without permission thanks again to andrew fallows and jeremy w sherman for sponsoring the show this month if you'd like to sponsor the show, you can pledge monthly at patreon.com slash winning slowly or give a one-off at cash.me slash dollar sign winning slowly. 10% of our support from you goes to keep up the internet archive so that links which rot can be preserved. And this week I saw an old blog that I cared about a lot back five years ago go offline completely. So I'm particularly sensitive to that. We're losing history of the internet every day. Yeah. If you like the show, please rate and review us in iTunes, recommend us in your favorite podcast app, or just tell a friend. You can find the show notes for this episode with the full list of sponsors, links to things we talked about, the music, and so on at winningslowly.org slash 4.05. 
Last but not least, we love hearing from you. Send us your thoughts on Twitter at Winning Slowly, on our Facebook page, or email at hello at winningslowly.org. As always, thanks for listening. Especially today. Especially today. Um, well, I'm gonna, that's, I'm gonna restate that. Hmm. Um, all the Canadians out there will be like, hey, 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 that's not how it was. <laughs>